Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. With the draft just 10 days away, we're going to be unveiling some of our favorite prospects on each day of the draft. Guys, we're just a lot higher on than consensus, and we think are going to be a, a big steals and outdo their, their draft selections. But before we get to that, Alex Smith did retire today, and I just want to put a word out there as a congratulations to his career and especially the comeback that that he had just against the odds, overcoming the horrific injury he suffered and being able to be a starting quarterback after that. So much respect for him. And we also know that Patrick Mahomes is in part of the quarterback he is today because of the tutelage that he received under uh, Alex Smith. So I, I think it's been one great career for, for Alex Smith, maybe not to the expectations of the first overall pick that ha- ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but nonetheless, very good career from him. Yeah, I agree. I think um, that Alex Smith is really underrated as a quarterback, if I'm being honest. I think, yeah, you know, he was the first overall pick. He came in with really high expectations, and he never really reached those expectations, but he was still a really good quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, enter the coaching ranks in a few years from now. Yeah, um, Andy Reid already said that he he calls first dibs on him if he ever enters the the coaching ring. But we can get to our favorite guys, and we're gonna have one day one guy each. So Nathan, you want to start us off with your your day one guy? Yeah, my day one guy would be Jalen Phillips out of Miami, and um, I feel like I'm higher on him than consensus because I have him as my edge one at the moment, and. Um, I think with all of his injuries and his transfer, we forget how heralded he was out of high school as he, he was the number one prospect in the entire country on like composite rankings. So with like all the recruiting sites combined. So um, he's from California. He is a long guy. He's 6'5", 260. He ran a 4'5", and had an elite pro day. He's a technician with his hands. And I think he shows a lot more refinement than the other top edges who might be a little bit more raw. Um He's explosive as a run defender, and he won't win with all this power, but he can slant gaps, and he has the hands to separate himself from offensive linemen, and I think that's valuable. So he's definitely my guy just because as an edge evaluator, I feel like he's someone who has refinement and also a ton of upside, and I value that a lot. Yeah, I, I believe in his game. I believe in in, in all of that. I just they scare me. He's got, he's got four concussions in his history. He had, he had to retire from football because of that. And uh, there are multiple other injuries, so that that's what scares me a little bit. Alex, what what do you think about Phillips? Yeah, I re- I really love Phillips' game. Um, if if he didn't have any of his injury concerns that he had, I, I think he would also be my edge one. But due to his injuries, you you know the four concussions are a big deal. He had ankle problems in both his left and his right ankle. So for me, if you take all those into account, plus you know his broken wrist with his um his scooter accident. To me, it's too many injuries um, to be able to move him up to my edge one. So he's my edge two. I'm still really high on him. I expect him to do well in the league. Um, and part of the issue for me was no, no fault to his own. He got COVID and he wasn't able to go to the uh, combine medical checks. And to me, I was hoping that he would go there and he would get the all clear from doctors. And that might make him in contention for me. Um, to move him up my board, but just because he couldn't even go because he had COVID, that really made him stay, you know, where he is as my solid edge two right now. Yeah, Phillips is my edge two also. Solid first round grade on him, but I think even without the injuries, and this might be a hot take, he would still be my edge two because my day one guy here is Quiddy Pay, and I, I think he's I think he's so special. I he's got so much burst off the edge and and bend to flatten to the quarterback, and he's got a, he's not the biggest, but he's got a he's got a dense compact build, so he can still hold up at the point of attack. And I mean, I, what I love about him on top of those traits is the effort he brings because you you see so many of these guys with top end athletic traits who don't really have that hot motor or that effort, and conversely, you see the guys who have that are not really athletically gifted or not to the extent of some of these first round talents off the edge. And I think Hootie Pay has both. And I think he's going to be way better in the NFL than he was in college. I don't think he was used correctly at Michigan. I think that once he's consistently on the edge and, and gets fully unleashed in the NFL, he can be a guy who, who gets double digit sacks as long as he manages to stay healthy and, and like refines a, a few technical points as he's, he's currently doing well. We saw a jump in from 2019 to 2020 in terms of, some of that technical refinement that he showed before he, he got hurt. And I mean, I just, I, I really love Quiddy Pay. I, I think there's that, the, the, that 
explosiveness and Ben he has off the edge and then the effort he has to, to finish sacks late in the rep, uh, it's, it's, it blows me away. And I think he's, I think he's the best defender in this class and I have a top 10 grade on him. That That's how high I am on, on pay. So I've, yeah, I've pay as my edge one and Jalen Phillips is my edge too. I think they're both going to be great pros as long as injuries check out. But I think, I think pay is just such a special talent. Yeah, pay like you pays my edge one, um, just ahead of Phillips, and I'm not as high on him as you, but I still really like him. Um, I'm debating between him and uh, the two corner, or well, I'm just Patrick Sertan now for my top uh, defensive guy on my board. Um, and I'm not going to reiterate everything he said about pay, but I agree. I think Michigan didn't really know how to use him, um, and I think. The big thing that I really liked from him was he improved a lot as a pass rusher from 2019 to 2020, in my opinion. And to me, that's huge. Anytime you see big improvements from year to year, especially at the collegiate level, to me, that shows that these guys are going to continue to improve. And if, you know, they haven't reached their ceiling yet in college, if they show development throughout their collegiate career, I just expect them to continue to grow um, and develop at the NFL level. Yeah, and I think Costa, you and Alex um, stated it perfectly that he really wasn't used properly in Michigan. His athleticism and his size and his strength does make him a chess piece in terms of like you know, him being an athletic mismatch over guards. And they did use him in the interior quite a bit. But I think you're right. I think the way he gets to 10 to 12 sacks in the league is just letting him be a five technique or be a stand-up edge guy and just let him hunt. And I think the NFL team will, will do that. And I think Again, it's great that he can do a lot of different things, but with a guy like that, you got to just put him out there, let him hit the quarterback, and that's really his best use. So I, I'm not going to reiterate everything else you said because he is a phenomenal player. He's also my he's my edge too, but you guys are right. His upside is special if you allow him to just specialize as a pass rusher and not really make him worry about too much else. Yeah, I think this goes to show I, I really want to end the narrative on this is a bad edge rusher class. I think that it doesn't really have that, that one really – refined product like a like a miles garrett but there's so much talent at, i like the i really like the guys on at the top with pay and when with uh phillips and then there's a load of guys after that that have really high upside so i don't agree though this is a, a bad year for edge rushers it's just want your super bowl contender who needs one right this year maybe it is but other, otherwise i think four or five years down the road it's gonna look like a good edge rusher class yeah it just doesn't have that one elite elite guy at the top like we've seen in years past Nick and Joey Bosa, Chase Young, but it has, like you said, you know, really good guys towards the top that aren't uh, 1.1 grade for us, but just a little bit below that. And like you said, there's great depth throughout the first few rounds and guys with really high upside. Um, so if they're put in the right situations, then you could really see a bunch of these guys in the late first, second round um, really excel. Moving on to the offensive side of the ball for my guy in the first round, um, Costa, I know this is a guy that you also love. Um, Najee Harris, the running back for Alabama. I mean, you just watch his game and just ignore the fact that he's a running back and running backs are devalued. He is a great, great football player. The power, the speed for someone of his size. And the thing I like to point out, point out with Harris is his pass catching ability. He's great at catching the ball out of the backfield. And people like to compare, compare him to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry wasn't great at that coming out of college. Najee Harris has that tool um, in his belt with his ability to catch passes. He also is very safe holding the football. He had three total fumbles um, from what I saw throughout his whole collegiate career. Um, and one of those three fumbles was he was stood up at the goal line and it took like three guys to rip the ball out of his hands. So to me, that just shows you how strong he is as a player. Um, like I said, he has great size. He runs with power, with anger. He's looking to run people over. Um, he's not a guy that's going to beat you with speed, but that's just not the name of his game. You know, he's he's a powerful running back. He's easily my running back one um, in this class, Costa. I know he is yours too. And, you know, he's just a guy that you just love to see um, get the football. And he's – I would say he's a threat to score every time because people might not be able to tackle him. Harris is going to be a top five running back in the league. He, he just is like, as you said, he's, he's just an absolute beast through the tackles. He has, he has incredible shiftiness for, for his size. He could have a little more breakaway speed, but that's nitpicking at that point because he's going to be getting huge chunks anyways. And, man, like you said, the pass-catching ability for a guy of that size is ridiculous. I remember the, watching, and there was a specific play where he's flexed out as a wide receiver right by the sideline, 
and he runs a little hesitation route and, and then crosses in and, and just completely loses his, his defensive back. And I'm just like, how is a 6'2", 230-pound running back doing that? He, I think he's an absolutely special talent that is going to be just, just a, an, an elite running back in the pros. And that's why, as you said, I understand the stigma against draft running backs high. And I know it hasn't worked out recently, but man, Najee Harris just makes me want to do it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I've always been someone who will appreciate drafting a running back in the first round if their talent allows for. And I think this year in this class, I think is a perfect example that I feel like there's three running backs who if they get drafted in round one, I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. And with Najee, you're right. He's, he's like I said about Jalen Phillips, he was heralded prospect at Antioch, California. He's massive. He can receive the ball, and he's really a three-down back. And in the NFL, people really value like three-down backs who can pass, catch, block, and run really well. And I think he does that. So I have him plugged into the back half of the first round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the fit's seamless, and I'm excited to see what he does in the league because I think he's going to be a special, special player. I think yeah, the I Steelers would love to get him at 24. I mean, the Steelers, they need to get back to the running game. I know we're going a little bit off topic, but, I mean, putting Najee Harris in that offense – and just, you know, he's that hard-nosed downhill running back, and that's the Steelers' mentality. So I would love to see him in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it would be a great picture for Pittsburgh. And I want to go ahead and move it to, to day two. And one of my day two guys is Josh Myers, the, the center from Ohio State. This is a guy where, I mean, I have not heard anybody hype him up or anybody list him as, as one of their favorite prospects. He's generally regarded as a round three interior offensive lineman, nothing flashy about this one. But I mean, he, I, he, this is just a case where I let the, the tape teach me. And I'm, I, don't, I don't understand why people aren't higher on him. I think he's got great size, great power, great athleticism. He can block in a phone booth and take out the defensive lineman. He can get, get out in space. He can pull. He has the agility at the second level to be able to pick up a block. A lot of guys can move out to the second level because they have the quickness to do so, but then they don't have the flexibility and agility to, to turn around and catch a guy who's coming in and actually block him. But he can do that consistently. Uh, I was What I was really impressed with was while I was re-watching him, this, we, re-watching him this week, I was watching the Alabama game, expecting him to have a, a down performance because they, their offensive line kind of did get cooked in, in pass protection. But he, he was holding up better than anyone else there. And, I mean, there was there was really only one snap that he outright lost, and it was against Christian Barmore, who had an incredible playoff. And so I I really think that Josh Myers can be a pro baller if he Im- improves on a couple of his technical uh, things. I mean, he doesn't have bad technique, but sometimes you see, like, his, his hands get a little wide, and that gives up uh, control of his chest. But if you really – uh, fix those a couple things like that, and he's he's got all the traits to become a pro baller. So I have I have a solid first round grade, a one point seven on him. I know that that sh- that definitely shocks a lot of people. He's and uh, he's my second interior offensive lineman after Elijah Vera Tucker. I, I'm just I'm really high on 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 Josh Myers. I really think that he's going to be a quality quality uh, center in this league. Yeah, I, I also really like Myers for, you know, where he's projected to go in the third round. I have a high second round grade on him. He's my third um, interior offensive lineman behind Creed Humphreys. And, you know, for me, um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I just I, – I can't put a first round grade on him. To me, there's just some some minor technical um, issues that I see with him, and I put Creed Humphreys over him, um, obviously, like I said. I, I like Creed's ability more um, to be a zone blocker um, more than Josh Myers. But like you said, I think Myers is severely underrated. Um, he's Like you said, day, uh, round three, not – whoever gets him is going to get a great value. Nate, who do you have as your um, – one of your day two guys? Well, I guess just listening to you guys talk, I feel like I'm a little bit higher on him than, than most of you guys. But um, my day two guys, Landon Dickerson and – Again, I'm picking guys today who do have injury issues, and I'm kind of noticing that pattern. But I mean, he's 6'6", 326 pounds as a center. He has center guard flexibility, and I think teams will appreciate that as long as he can stay healthy. He's as strong as an ox. He's barrel-chested. He's mean, and he's great in the run game. He targets his hands well. He has great leg drive. And in the pass game, like I said, he gets an inside hand placement. He can sit back, and he can anchor against power. And in a phone booth, I just – I feel like he's a perfect kind of player for like gap schemes and got where he could just man up on a guy and drive him back. And I think as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's an interior offensive lineman who will play for 10 to 12 years. And I think he'll be in the bookend of a line for a long time from now. And 
anything you see from him in terms of the media, he's a great leader. He has fun. You see him cartwheeling after a knee injury in Max Jones's interview. And so I think with him, I think if you pick him in the second round or you know, middle of the second, I think you'll be really happy with your return on investment with him. What grade do you have on him? I have a two, 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 I think. Is also I have a two, 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 one. Like that. I think that's what I would have without the injuries, though, is the issue. Because for me, it's just I don't want to be that guy. But they say your best ability is your availability. And I mean, he's he has three uh, season ending injuries in his past. Uh, but he has shown that he can have a full season uh, healthy. I know in 2019, he was fully healthy after transferring from Florida State. So, I mean, there, there's hope there. But it's that 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 record of injury still concerns me. And then otherwise, I, I think that in space, he's just, he's just not that good. Not the most athletic guy, but as you said, in a phone booth, he's just, he's dominant. He's got all the, the size, power and technique that you need to be able to dominate someone at the line of scrimmage. And I love that in him. It's just it's mostly the eight injuries that kind of scare me away and that push him behind a couple of these other interior offensive line prospects. Cause at the end of the day, I think it's an incredible interior offensive line class. I've been, I mean, I've been scouting since 2017. So this is my fifth class and it's by far the best interior offensive line class. The yeah. amount of, of quality starters we're going to get at the center and guard positions, insane. And I think if he, if he can stay healthy, he'll definitely be one of those. I think you can run tackle. I think it, overall it's an incredible offensive line. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, you wrote a bold take about this uh, a few months ago, how, you know, the, this offensive line or offensive tackle class is great. And you can just extend that statement to the interior offensive line. Um, Casa, like you said, I would also have like a, a 2.0, 2.1 on Landon Dickerson without the injuries. I just, I don't like putting my trust into a guy that has a long injury history. If there's a guy that has, you know, maybe one freak knee injury, somebody falls on your leg, you tear your ACL. That's understandable. It, it happens. I'm not going to knock a guy too much for that. But the fact that he had three season-ending injuries is a concern for me. Um, and obviously, that's not knocking his talent at all. I think he's a really, really good talent um, at the center position. I, I just He's not a guy that I want to take a chance on in round two because of those injuries. In round two, I'm looking for a guy that's going to be a, a solid starter for me for you know eight to ten years. And if he misses two, three of those years with injuries, that's – you know not really what I'm looking for. And the longevity would also be a concern for me, but you know, Nate and Casa, like you said, the talent is there. It's just the injuries that are kind of a problem. And I, I wanted to point out that picking guys with injuries is sometimes it's a, a good strategy. You can't say all seven draft picks are guys with injuries, but guys with injuries will fall and their talent level will be far and away better than everyone else available in whatever round you're picking, it's just, do you feel comfortable with injuries or not? Yeah. Can I jump in here? And just cause uh, on, on injuries, this is, this kind of how I look at it. I, I like taking a guy who's just like, has been clean throughout college. And then like a few months before the draft tears his ACL or something like that. And all of a sudden he's dropping down draft boards because of that recency effect. And he may or may not be ready for training camp, but at the end of the day, he hasn't had injury issues in the past and he's, you're going to get really good value because he's dropped due to injury. And the other thing is sometimes right before the draft, there's some kind of like condition that comes out on a guy. And I'm just too hesitant to, to believe those. And, and sometimes they end up being huge falls. Um, I know Miles Jack fell all the way into the second round, and now he's a really good player for the Jaguars. And so that also I would really be looking to swoop up, swoop up those players. It's just when I see guys who really have had recurrent injuries throughout their college careers, that's when I get hesitant. But we should probably move it on. And uh, Alex, who's you're one of your uh, – Guys, your day two guys, and I'm smiling because I already know who is going to be. And I, yeah. I, can tell, I can vouch for Alex here and say that he was here on this guy before the hype was. He, the hype caught up to Alex. Alex didn't react to the hype on this one. Go ahead and, and take it, Alex. Who's yeah, so my guy in this draft, he's been my guy since late January. Um, and it's Tommy Tremble. And I'm, I'll tell a quick story. Um, I saw uh, it was like a Notre Dame fan page that was – you know, they said that Tommy Tremble is a sleeper guy. And at this point in late January, he was talked about as probably a seventh round pick. If you look at any of the big boards at the time, he was like around in like the 200s. And I, I looked at this guy's stats. I said 400 receiving yards in his career. How, like what? And I turned on the tape and I was, my jaw dropped. I mean, his blocking is arguably the best in the, the tight end class this year. I mean, you see him drive guys off the line 
he drives defensive ends off the line, okay? This guy is a great blocker. He's really strong, great lower body, and he, he can be used anywhere as a blocker. He doesn't need to be used on the line. He can be put in the backfield as like an H-back. I think a, a guy like a, a Kyle Shanahan-led offense would love having this guy. But the, the issue was, okay, 400 career receiving yards. But if you look at, at the routes that he runs, they're not they're not perfect, but they're really good for someone that barely had the opportunity to run any pass routes. His athleticism is great. I remember, I don't know what game it is, but he hurdled a guy, and he's he's 250 pounds. So right there, you'd say this guy has the athleticism you need. Um, he's also a really smart player. Uh, you see him when the play breaks down and the quarterback has to scramble outside the pocket when he's getting rushed, whatever. He, he shadows the quarterback. He's always right in the quarterback's face. So if the quarterback needs to get rid of the ball at any point in time, Tommy Trumbull's right there. Um, and, you know, he was a guy that uh, – he was ranked in the, the 200s at the time. And I said, this guy is easily a day two pick. The upside for me was insane. Um, the, the biggest issue at the time was I was worried about uh, a teams not giving him the opportunity to develop. He will need a few years to refine his route running, get to the the level of an NFL tight end, just because he hasn't been given the opportunity. Um, and I want to point out, I wrote a bold take in, in February about him being a top four tight end in this class. I'll announce it now. He's my second ranked tight end in this class. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it was really satisfying for me to see a guy that I liked throughout the whole process that everyone seemed to be down on. And finally, the hype's caught up to him. Um, so that's that's just something really satisfying. I know both of you two can have that feeling once in a while, too. And it, it just feels really good to say, all right, like I was right. Yeah, I mean, that that, that really transitions into my next guy. But I'll, I'll let uh, Nathan and I react to, to Tommy Tremble first. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's got all the traits you look for. And you turn on the tape and the really the thing you're most impressed with is just that dominance he has as a blocker. He will absolutely steal a guy's lunch out there. Like he, he, he'll drive the guy 10 yards downfield. And then when you look at when he does get to, to run some passing routes, they're really sudden. They're, they're really quick. And there's just so much potential there that if an NFL team can unlock it, they, he has sky high upside and he can be a, a huge steal. And I think what you said is important that it might take a few years. It generally does for tight ends in this league. We don't really see rookie impacts. All the guys who do end up being really good, like know, George Kittle was not a star his first year. It takes a couple of years, but check back three years down the line and Tommy Tremble could be a top 10 tight end at least in, in this uh, class or not in this class in, in the league. Yeah, and I think what, what is underestimated in terms of that end is like just because he's not, you know, some polished route runner and just because he wasn't utilized a ton in the receiving game, that does not mean he doesn't have scheme flexibility because he does. He adds different wrinkles to your run game day one that he gets to camp because he could be an H-back and fulfill split zone type responsibilities and crack down responsibilities, but he also could be used in gap schemes as he has the athleticism to pull off GY counters and so I think with him, well, you're right. The receiving game might take a little bit of time. I think he adds different wrinkles and different dimensions to your run game right away. He can target second-level blockers. And like you said, he has a nasty demeanor. And as my Landon, Pick Landon Dickerson pick showed you, I appreciate guys who will knock your teeth out and really put, put your helmet on each other and, and fight. So I think I'm a big Tommy Tremble fan. And Alex, I'm proud of you, man, for, for targeting this one early. And I just wanted to point out before uh, we moved on to the next player, the reason that he did only have 400 receiving yards in his career, he was sitting behind Cole Komet, which I think is a mistake. Um, but he was, you know, he was a longtime tight end at Notre Dame. I don't think they would have disrespected him by bumping him down to the tight end two spot. And then in 2020, he was sitting behind a five-star recruit, uh, Michael Myers. So I, I think, you know, with five-star recruits, they're five-star recruits for a reason. You got to get them on the field. It was just a unfortunate circumstances for Tremble. Um, I think he, you know, if, if he was allowed that ability to develop over the past three years, I think, you know, he, he could be a guy that you might think about in the late one, round one conversation if he was given that opportunity to develop. Yeah, he was. it's actually a really similar college situation to George Kittle. And I'm not saying he's going to be George Kittle, although he does have a really high upside. But George Kittle was at Iowa with Noah Fant, and they basically used 
to simplify it, Noah Fant as the receiving option and uh, George Kittle as a primary blocking option. And, and thus, he didn't really get to show how good of a pass catcher he could be. And once he got to the NFL, he had that day one blocking ability. And then he developed a really good receiving ability. And here he is as a top two tight end in the league. So I, I think that Tommy Tremble could really take a similar path once he gets to the pros. And as you said, there's sometimes just that feeling where you're on a guy early and then and then the hype catches up to you. And that was based on my other day two guy, Dwayne Eskridge, a wide receiver from Western Michigan. I watched him right before the senior ball started and I was just blown away. And I remember uh, posting on our Instagram story. I don't know if, if you remember, but I, I said, watch out for Dwayne Eskridge this week at the senior ball. You're going to be hearing his name a lot because he's going to just destroy these one-on-ones. And I was completely right. What did he do? He got there. And in the two days that he was, he was playing there, he was absolutely unguardable in one-on-one situations because Dwayne Eskridge is just such a great uh, asset against press coverage. And that's so rare for these college receivers. Like a guy that I love, like Jalen Waddle, I really, I really like him, but he's like barely ever faced press. Uh, meanwhile, Dwayne Eskridge has experienced against press, and he's got great releases with with great quickness. And then he's got tremendous route running and absolutely lethal speed. He can burn anyone. And so, when you combine all of that, is he's just he can stack and sh- stack a, a, a defensive back on his hip and just take him for a ride down the sideline. And he's just going to be such a big play threat in the NFL. You've got to understand that he's not the biggest guy. Don't put him in, in jump ball situations because that's just not that's not his game. And the other thing is he's 24 years old already right now. So you're probably not getting a, a, a long-term second contract out of him if he does end up being really good. But you general managers don't have the job security to look that far down the road. And I just know like he can he can come in and I, right from next year just break some some games at certain at certain crucial points with with a with a deep shot because that He's not just speed. He has the speed, but also the releases against press and the route running. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this, I don't know if you guys can recall, but I think I said this on the Senior Bowl Review podcast that we did back in um, February. I was talking about the the valuable nature of guys like Antonio Gibson and guys like Devo Samuel, guys who you can throw screens to, guys you can put across the middle, guys you can use on jet sweeps just guys who can really make a defense's life difficult because you can align him anywhere and he'll be really hard to match up with no matter what you throw at him. So a guy like Dwayne Eskridge is no different. Game-breaking speed, and you're right, Kost, he is 24, but but like you said, I don't think GMs are worried about that right now. He's a game-breaking type of player who will cause nightmares for opposing defenses, I think, pretty early in his career. And so, Kost, I'm with you on this one, man. He's, he's a stud, and I'm excited to see what he does and where he gets picked in April because I think it's a wild card right now, honestly. Yeah, I'm not going to reiterate uh, what both of you guys said about, you know, his speed, um, his athleticism, and just kind of like his, his versatility. Obviously, you can't put him um, to go one-on-one with the, the top cornerback for a team, but just the things he can do with the balls and when the ball is in his hands, I think something special. And he'll I think he'll definitely be a steal because assuming where he goes in the draft, maybe even late round two, I think would be a great pickup for uh, for a team. Yeah, so let's let's move on to, to you guys as a day two prospects. So Nathan, do you want you want to give us yours? Yeah. Um, so my guy doesn't have an injury history, I promise. Um, <laughs> Cameron McGrone out of Michigan. And it's so like me personally, I think I've also stated this on the pod before. The NFL and certainly I value guys who can run, cover, and blitz. And I think with Cameron McGrone, he does lack experience and he doesn't have this long track record of, of starts and, and big games. But you watch him on tape. He's a bull in a China shop linebacker who could run. He closes on ball carriers in a hurry. He can blitz. And he doesn't have so much experience in coverage, but I think his athleticism will show you that he can be good on intermediate spot drops and matching um, running backs in man and maybe even pressing up on H-backs. And like I said, you're not going to rely on him for coverage. You're just going to let him run. So I think in a 4-3 where he could just be uncovered and just cause havoc and run around and hit people, I think you'll really like your return on investment there. And I think he's a guy who could start early on. And I think he's a starting Mike linebacker for years to come just based on the fact that he fits every prototype that the NFL looks for in a modern Mike linebacker. And that's why he's my day two guy that I think will be a steal maybe in the early round three. Yeah, I mean, he's a tough evaluation for me, I'm going to be honest, because I – I love all the physical and athletic traits that I see and how he can contribute on, on every down due to those. But his mental game right now is just not ready for the NFL. In my opinion, I think that he just makes a lot of mental mistakes. He'll, he'll bite on, on misdirections or, or play actions. He'll make the wrong read or he'll, he'll make it too late. And it's just, 
it's a lot of projection in terms like I, I could totally see you being right on this one and he ends up being a, a really good linebacker for years to come. I, it's just it's it's so hard to know whether or not he'll be able to develop that side of his game. But I, I totally agree that the upside is there and he has all of that ability to to just be a, if you let him run, he's he's going to, he's gonna get places. He's got all the range, he's got size too. He can he can be a physical tackler. It's he's he's definitely he definitely has impressive tape other than those those times where you just like how how do you make that mistake? One second. Wow. But what I'll say is for me, I don't think, obviously, I don't think he's going to go around one like this guy will. But I think when you evaluate it, I think it's similar to a guy like Patrick Queen who went 28 to Baltimore, just in terms yeah. of he's inexperienced. And we saw Patrick Queen make similar mental mistakes in games this year against the Patriots and, and stuff like that. And I think the mental game is does is a place that he has to grow. And I, I, like I said, he does lack experience. And I think, you know, more snaps and in, in an NFL defense, I think will definitely help him over time. But with Patrick Queen, we just saw a guy who could run, cover, and blitz and do everything that NFL linebackers are supposed to do. So that's kind of how I attack the camera. Because you're right, he doesn't keep pullers often well. He can bite on play action. He'll misread, like he'll misread a play, and he does doesn't play with loose eyes. Like his, his eyes will sometimes get lost. But like we saw with Patrick Queen, the physical traits will allow him to still make up for his shortcomings and. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm wrong on a lot of things, but I'm, <laughs> I'm confident that soon enough, I think this will this will pick up for him, and I think he'll do well. But Alex, what do you think? Well, I just want to point out that most scouts are wrong on a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I feel like pretty much we're always wrong about the same amount of time that we're right. If that, um, you know, it's just it's the name of the game. Um, there's a lot of things you don't know about guys, but. Um, like both of you said, his his athletic traits are there. Um, they're things you'd love to see in a, a modern NFL linebacker. Um, the, the mental game concerns me, but I think you brought up a great point talking about how inexperienced he was. Because um, uh, I think, like you said, obviously he doesn't have a lot of experience, so his mental game is probably not going to be there. So you can expect him to grow and improve the mental side of things. Um as he gets playing time in the NFL, but while he is waiting on that to catch up, the physical traits are there. So maybe he takes a, a step the wrong way, makes a misread. He has the athleticism to correct himself. Um, so that, I think that's that is something important um, to look at for especially young linebackers because if he has if he has a, he has the athleticism to stay on the field. Um, it, that's only going to help him. He's not a guy that I'm as high on as you are, um, but I, I can definitely, like Casa said, you could definitely be, you know, totally correct about this one and hit the nail on the head with the fact that in a few years he'll definitely be a, a, a really good uh, starting linebacker. My second day two guy, um, he's uh, Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end from Oklahoma. Um, he's he's an intriguing watch for me. Um, I, I watched him the first time, um, and I really liked what I saw. Um, I, I thought he was just um, really, really dominant with his play. I mean, he he won a lot of one-on-ones against tackles. He, he To me, he showed a lot of power. Um, he would drive some guys back. He would be able to make tackles um, even while being blocked. I, there were multiple plays where I saw him just reach out an arm while he's being blocked, grab the running back, get off the blocker, and finish the tackle. Um my my one issue for him is there are plays where he just he, there's almost nowhere for him to be found. Um, sometimes he can just get you know silenced by an offensive tackle. So that is a little concerning for me. Um, but overall, I, I love his his play strength. Um, I think he's really good versus the run and um, rushing the quarterback. So to me, that's huge uh, for an edge rusher. He also is a little bit undersized. Um, he's he's only six three and two like two fifty I think so that he's he's somebody that you'd like to see put on some weight. He doesn't have the the elite length of a guy like you know Jalen Phillips, um, but I think he could still be a really solid um, edge rusher and run defender in the NFL. Yeah, I see I see him convert speed to power, and when you and I mean that's just that's the name of the game as a, as a pass rusher. There aren't that many guys in, in any draft class that, that can do that. And I, I, I really do see those flashes where he just he has he has that get off and then he has those violent hands and, and that that core strength to be able to push back the guy. And right now you in, in today's NFL, you don't want to be just the guy who, who bends around the edge and gets the quarterback because quarterbacks in the modern game, they know how to sense the pressure off the 
off the edge and step up in the pocket and deliver a throw. So even if you're pressuring them, you're not going to get to them that often. You want to be able to do that, but also to push back the guy into the quarterback. And so when you have the trace to be able to do both those things and to do them together and converting speed to power, that's when you can be dangerous. And so I think that that's what Ryan Perkins has. And there, there's some development to him and he might not be able to fit any scheme or any role that you give him because of a, a lack of size or, or length, but there's, there is definitely a good amount of, of skill to work with there. Yeah, I came on late to this one. Like, I was I was behind and I heard his name pop up, so I took a look at him. And I think scheme wise, I think he's a four three base end, and it sounds crazy, but I think he's a guy because he can set a firm edge in the run game and because he can convert speed to power, power sorry, and condense edges. I think he's someone who really can do well in a base four three. Um, the only reason I wouldn't put him in a three four is because I do see some hip tightness, and as you said, he's not much of a bender, so I don't know how reliable he'll be on like spot drops or flat drops or anything like that, but. I think he's a guy that if he expands his rush arsenal a little bit, I think you could put him as a 4-3 baseline, and I think he'll really prosper. And I think right away he'll set a firm edge in the run game and, and won't get reached by offensive tackles. And I think that's something that's really valuable. So I can definitely see why you like him. Yeah, I think we can. He's, he's, he's kind of a lost name in this defensive end class, but you really yeah. got to watch out for him. And, yeah, so moving on to, to day three, I mean – I didn't think this guy was a day three guy until I heard Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network say that Chasserat is is like is a round four or five guy. And I just my my jaw dropped when I heard that because I've loved him throughout this process. And if somebody gets Chasserat on day four on, on day three, absolute steal. So he's got a really interesting background in that he was actually recruited to North Carolina as a quarterback and started out there at that position. He's only been playing linebacker for two seasons. But one, he has all the traits that you want from a linebacker. He has prototypical size, prototypical athleticism. He's got that sideline to sideline range, the quickness to to get to to certain tackles. And and then you you look at how how well how well he processes the game and understands playing the linebacker position, despite the inexperience he has, it's so impressive. It's not perfect yet. His his pursuit angles could, could be better. His block shedding could be better. His tackling technique could be better. But all of those points already improved from 2019 to 2020 and are just so far ahead of the curve that they should be on, considering how little he's played at the position. And, I, and that goes to show just how much football intelligence he, he has in general and and I, I think that those those instincts are really developing quickly and he's gonna maybe need a year or two for the rest of his game to really catch up because he has he's so inexperienced at the position. But if you're drafting him on day three and you 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 have those traits, that natural intelligence, the the motor he possesses, you could be end you could end up wanting getting the absolute steal of the entire draft, in my opinion. Because I think he's a guy who can be a pro baller. There's there's he has to develop to get there because he's so inexperienced and he's going to be facing a tough adjustment in the NFL, but I have a high second round grade at 2.3 on him. And I, I, I know, I know Alex likes him a lot too. And I, I, I'm still hesitant to believe that he will be going on day three. I still think somebody might swoop him up on in the, in the third round because of the upside he, he possesses and how much he has improved already. And, and has shown so much ability so quickly at the linebacker position, but I'm really high on Chester at. Yeah, if you didn't pick him um, for your day three guy, he was going to be mine. Um, you know, the fact that he's only played two seasons as a linebacker, it's just stunning to me. You, you see how he plays on the field, and you could easily watch him play and say, this guy's been playing linebacker his whole life. Um, and, you know, he played quarterback. He was, like you said, he was recruited to North Carolina's quarterback. To me, that shows that, you know, he has the mental game. I mean, to play quarterback in college now, you, you have to be really smart. Um, and I, I think that honestly benefited him. Um, the fact that, you know, he's only played linebacker for two years and he played quarterback before that. Because, um, you know, the linebacker a lot of the times is called the quarterback of the defense. A lot of times you want your linebacker to be the smartest guy on the field, obviously quarterback on offense. So, you know, I, I think if you had to make a transition – um, two linebacker from another position, quarterback would be the, the position that you'd want to take a guy from. Obviously, the mental game's there, and the, the raw athletic ability is also there. Um, I think he, he still struggles with, you know, shedding blocks, um, but that's to be expected for somebody that's only played linebacker for two years. He has to, you know, refine a lot of his technique work, like you said. Um, pursuit angles could be improved, but that's just going to come with time, experience, and more snaps. I think that what you see on tape, 
is just stunning to me for a guy that's played linebacker for two years um, and didn't even play defense the defensive side of the ball before that at the collegiate level. So he's a guy I'd love to take in the third round. I mean, on day three. Yeah, and I think, Alex, you're kind of reiterate what you say. I mean, we got to think about what quarterbacks have to know. If you're just separating his linebacker for a second, just what quarterbacks have to know, they have to know how offensive line blocks different protections, how they block different run schemes, all of that. They need to know the running back's aiming points on, let's just say, outside zone, wide zone, inside zone, power, counter, all those. So I think when you transition to linebacker, him having that psyche of really where the running back aiming points are and where he's supposed to be at all times, it shows in his tape because you really see Chad Surratt out of position and he's always in the right place at the right time. And, and like you guys said, there's definitely definitely certain things he has to improve at when he gets to the right position. And me personally, my biggest issue with Chad Surratt is his trigger. I think he sees it and I think he just needs to fly downhill a little bit quicker just because I think he, he would be a lot more productive that way. But you're right, his intelligence is off the charts and I think his quarterback experience has a lot to do with it. And I think in a couple of years, like you guys said, I have a grade similar to Costas. I think I have a 2-2 two -two on him. So I was a big fan of his, and I think he has enough potential over time because once his physical makeup and his technique matches what he's made of mentally, I think he'll do a really good job. Yeah, something I wanted to point out about Surratt that I noticed when I was watching him, and Nate, you brought up a great point about, you know, he sees it and sometimes he doesn't pull the trigger right away. I, I noticed that in the first few games, he, he would almost – look a little bit lost and then as it progressed later on in season I'd see him like get to the ball like that and I think what I realized was like you said he would see it but almost didn't trust himself that he saw it and I think you know it could have been a, a coach or something that said look you see it just go don't hesitate because you almost do see that hesitation go away in the later games um, of the season in 2020 so to me Obviously, the mental game's there. Like we said, he's a quarterback. Um, I think he's going to get have to get more consistent with pulling the trigger, like you said, Nate, but it's definitely there. Um, and I, I definitely see him as a, easily a starting linebacker in the NFL two, three years down the road. So, Alex, you want to give us your, your day three guy? Because, uh, once again, like you said, this uh, Surratt was your day, th day three guy if I didn't pick him. And if you took Surratt, I'd be picking the guy that, that you're, you're going to talk about right now. So, so go ahead. Yeah, so my day three guy is Cade Johnson, and he's another guy that I have a, a day two grade on, a, a late day two or a late round two grade um, for Cade Johnson. But everybody's hating on him for I don't know why. Um, maybe it's the fact that he didn't play in 2020 and the fact that he played at uh, D1, D1 FCS, so he played against lower competition. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. He showed everything you need from a, a guy that's going to be a slot receiver in the NFL. Um, I think he has really reliable hands. He's he's extremely willing blocker. Um, I think his route running is actually really good. Um, one thing is you don't see him dominate um, the, D, the D1 FCS competition, but I think he's a guy that's going to be better in the NFL than he was in college. Um, and I feel like we've said that about a few guys in, uh, in this podcast episode. But I, I just feel like the, he didn't have um, the coaches that knew how to use him to his strengths uh, at South Dakota State. Um, and I think, you know, putting him in the right offense with an offensive coordinator or head coach that really uses the slot receiver to, to the max, um, I think he's a guy that's going to excel. Um, and I just did put up a scouting report on him a few weeks ago. So if you want to read up that full thing on Kate Johnson, then check that out on our Instagram page. Um, but I think, you know, Maybe it's the, the lower level of competition. Maybe it's the fact that he didn't play and people just forget about him. But to me, he's easily a day two guy that's going to end up going on, on on day three and being a steal. Yeah, one the thing I keep thinking about him is why would you take Elijah Moore in round one when you can take Kay Johnson in round four? Like, I mean, I still have more rated ahead of, of Johnson, but not by much. And there's a three-round difference between the two. And I mean, you look at Elijah Moore – He's, he's really he's really quick. He's got the speed to stretch the field too, which is important because a lot of these slot receivers might have the quickness, the route running, the hands, but they don't they can't actually like threaten deep. He he can do that, and all of the above can be said for Kay Johnson as well. And I think he really showed off at, at, at the Senior Bowl. He ran really great routes. I mean, he was just setting up these defensive backs left and right and leaving them in the dust on these on these one on ones. And I think his his play translates a lot to the NFL. He's going to be a really good slot receiver. He just needs to get the proper attention and and the reps to be able to to show off his ability. Because I have no doubt that if 
if given the chance to be on the field, Kane, jo- Kane Johnson can be a, a just a really reliable uh, slot receiver who can also get some home run uh, shots because he he really does have that that speed on top of the the rest of his profile. Yeah, Costa, I'm glad you brought up the because you know if people are worried about the level of talent that he played against, just watch the Senior Bowl tape. I mean, he he dominated those D1 FBS players, and you know people were concerned about Creed Humphreys and his level of competition. I'm sorry, not Creed Humphreys, um, Quinn Miners and his his level of competition. Obviously, he played D3, and he he shot up draft boards because of his uh, Senior Bowl performance and not to discount him at all his senior bowl performance was great but k johnson was also great and he didn't move up draft boards at all so i just don't worry about the level of competition he can handle uh the nfl level competition you, you saw it at the senior bowl yeah i think his translation to the nfl is really easy to see and like you guys said i feel like it could be a little bit out of sight out of mind we haven't seen him in a while but i think with him he kind of reminds me of willie sneed when he was with the saints just in terms of he's a guy you can line up in the slot and he can get open in the middle of the field he can set up routes and he can he can really just get himself separation from slot corners and um i think you're right i don't know why you reach on a guy like elijah moore super early when there's a guy like this that you can get super late and it's just a term of value and i think a team will take k johnson like in round four i think they'll get a guy who could really start in the slot pretty early just because of his route running ability and the way he understands how to set up defensive backs, get their hips to turn and just to get him away from um, the defense and get himself in the soft spot of zones, which is also proven to be super valuable in the league. So I, I'm a big K Johnson fan, just like you guys. And I'm, I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. Nathan, do you want to end us off with the, with the last day three guy? Yeah. And I think this is another guy um, that I'm higher on than the consensus, but um, this my day three guy is Ambry Thomas out of Michigan and, uh, me personally, just it's how I've always been. I kind of develop things that I like to see in corners. And for me, guys with patience who aren't grabby, who will be feisty at the line of scrimmage and challenge you at the point and have good ball skills and good eyes. And also for me, I, I don't know about you guys, and we, kind of, we can talk about this as like a general discussion, guys in the defensive backfield who play special teams and who show eagerness to play on that side of the ball, I also find super valuable. Um, even if you're not as high on him as a player, special teams versatility, I feel like in a, in a league today is just incredibly valuable. So I think Avery Thomas is going to be actually a really good football player. And I think he's a value guy that you'll find on day three. And I think he'll play and I think he'll do really, really well. Yeah. I just, uh, I think he gives up too much size and too much speed. I think when you give up both of those things that, that can really hurt you, but he definitely, definitely has some of those good traits. Now the other thing that's really strange with evaluating him is I don't know what to do with these day three guys that opted out, you know, like, it, first of all, we don't know what to do with opt-outs because it's the first year we've ever had them, but guys like Jamar Chase and Nye Sewell, I'm, it doesn't really bother me. I know how good they are. It, with, with guys like Amory Thomas and another cornerback that's probably going day three, Thomas Graham from from Oregon is in the same case. It's just like I wish I could have another year of tape and that I wasn't trust. I, like, it, it, I find myself dropping him behind a couple other guys because like they're comparable in level, but it's like I saw this guy in 2020 – and Ambry Thomas will go two years between his his, his last uh, college game and his first NFL game, and that that just I, I I don't really know what to make of that, but I I, f- I found that it, it dropped him behind a few other guys for me. Yeah, and I, I just want to point out that you know, opting out obviously was a sensitive topic. We're not you know hating on anybody for opting out. It's just it's just unfortunate um, that they had to opt out. And for me, honestly, with a lot of these day three guys that opted out, like you said, Costa. When you have guys that are really similar in talent level um, and, and, and grade, you're going to put the guy that played in 2020 ahead of them just because you saw him more recently. You don't know what happens in a year to guys. And for all we know, guys that opted out like Ambry Thomas could have you know, been working extremely hard and improved as a player. But we don't know that because we didn't see it on tape. Um, so I, I think these opt-outs, it's a really interesting conversation, especially for guys on day three. Um, and, you know, Costa, Nate, I'm not going to read what you said about him. The podcast is getting going uh, a little long. Um, just any last words that, you know, Nate, you want to say about your day three guy? Yeah, I think if we if we remember, I don't I don't remember if this was three years back, four years back, but Ambry Thomas to me was reminiscent of Tavon Young on a temple because they're both guys who are undersized and, and maybe do give up like long speed and, and you know, explosiveness. But they're guys, like I said, I value feisty corners and guys who will challenge you at the point and, and really give you a hard time off the line of scrimmage. And he really was that for me. And like I said, I value special teams a lot because, you know, you're right. Opt-outs, out of sight, out of mind. You don't know what they're doing. And 
and you don't know where they are. But a guy who will really be willing to come in and play special teams and earn his stripes there, I think that opens up doors to a lot of other things. And so, I, that, like, this is definitely a risk. And like you said, with any opt-outs, you know, you're, you're really playing a guessing game here. But with him, I just I just have a good feeling about what he can do with, you know, a new system in the NFL. And um, like we've said a bunch of times, I think he'll be better in an NFL-type slot scheme where he could just challenge slot receivers at the line and, you know, do well there with his ball skills. I think he'll do better there than he was in college. Yeah, and if anything, the opt-out thing could end up working in his favor or in favor of the team that drafts him because, like, they're, they're, I'm pro- we're probably not the only ones that will drop him behind a couple other cornerbacks because he opted out. And then he's still he's probably still the same player, and he can end up being a, a real contributor. So that that's to cap it off. That That's all our, our day one, day two, and day three guys. Obviously, plenty of other guys we like, but these are the guys that, that come out of the pack in terms of we just think they're much better than consensus. They're going to shock people with how they perform compared to, to where they got drafted. And they're really just guys that we're willing to stick our name to and, and – and look a few years down the road and be like, yeah, I mean, he was one of my guys. I was, I was high on him. So if, unless you guys have something else to say, I think that that caps off this, this pod. And we are 10 days away from, from draft uh, day. So it's, it's exciting. And we're, we're here with all our positional rankings uh, to come in the, in the next 10 days and shout out to, to Nathan on, on seventh round. They've already got their positional rankings going. You can check those out at seventh round on Instagram and it, it's going to be a fun ride positional rankings the, the final seven round mock drafts from both alex and i will be coming the night before the draft too so stay tuned guys thanks for joining yeah thanks for uh listening to the podcast we'll be back next week probably talking about all our uh, positional rankings and stuff like that and at that point it will be the monday before the draft which will be on thursday so it's really getting close um i just wanted to point out if you didn't see it our last po- our last um scouting reports are going up now um, Costa's report on Davis Mills is up, and then the last scouting report of our season will be my report on Kellen Mond, and uh, that will be going up Tuesday. And then, like Costa said, Wednesday we start with our positional rankings. Um, so I think we have offensive tackles and interior offensive line on Wednesday, cornerbacks um, and safeties on Thursday, and then wide receivers, tight ends on Friday. Um, for those will be the ne- the first three days of our positional rankings. Um, Nate, anything you want to say about seventh round before we uh, end this podcast? No, just stay tuned. We got a big board coming. We're going to finish up positional rankings the next week and a half or so. So it's exciting times. I still have some work to do. So, you know, 10 days is dwindling pretty fast. But, um, you know, it's exciting times. I know we're all ready for the draft to get here. And it's going to be it's going to be fun to see where everyone lands. Yeah. And like always, Nate, thanks for thanks for joining us. This was definitely a fun one to talk about, you know our guys and you know just let everyone know we we you know it's recorded you know these are our guys they've been our guys um and you know obviously we expect them to excel um at the next level so thanks for watching we'll be back next week